My beautiful wife, Pastor Kate, an amazing woman of God, amazing mum. Let's put our hands together and honour her this morning as she comes to bring the Word of God. Amen. Come on, give Jesus praise. If you're in the overflow room, we want to hear you. I know your room's full of people, so let's praise Him. Hallelujah. I'm so hungry for Jesus. His presence is here. I want to thank you, worship team. I want to thank you, worship team. You can go. You can stay, but you can go. I'm just going to have our keyboarders up here. You know what? On Thursday night, we had a crazy creative night. It's the night when all our creatives get together. And the worship, we always start with worship. Whether it's just a guitar or some voices or the whole band, we had everyone up here. And you know what? They just, we just couldn't stop worshiping Jesus. If you were there, you know what I'm talking about, right? It just didn't stop. God is doing something. He is shifting something. And I wanna encourage you today that His presence is here. And when His presence is here, His desire is that you would go away changed. Amen? Amen? I can't hear you. Amen. That's better. You know what? When when hunger fills our heart, it ignites faith. So I want to encourage you today to lean into Him. To lean in. Because you know what? If you sit back as a spectator, you will hear a whole lot of nice words but you won't go out any different to when you came in. But if you press in and say, God, I'm hungry. God, I wanna walk out of this place different today. And you know what? I know His kingdom is here. His kingdom is here. His kingdom has come here this morning. And if you are here this morning and you need a shift in your life, He's here to shift you. Why don't you say it this morning, I need to shift. Come on, I need to shift. If you're online this morning, declare it, I need to shift. If you're in the overflow room, why don't you shout it out, I need to shift. It's only Him, it's only Jesus that can shift your life. And we're gonna talk about that this morning because I need a shift. Every day, I need a shift. I need something new from Him. And this message this morning is called No Longer I. It's no longer I. In Galatians, 2, in Galatians 2.20, it says this, I have been crucified with Christ. That's Jesus. And it's no longer I that live, but it's Christ. It's Jesus. It's my King. And He lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of the living God who loved me and gave Himself for me. His presence is here for you today. And He wants to bring you and I into a fresh encounter. He wants to bring a shift, but it takes active faith for that to happen, a leaning forward in your your positioning today. He wants to bring an exchange. Today, if you felt like there's been a slumber around your life, He wants to exchange it today for His life. He wants to bring a transformation from one point to another. He wants to shift you. If you've felt stuck, if you've ever felt stuck, maybe you're here today and you feel stuck. Today, if you will allow Him, He will shift you. He will exchange the dead parts of your life for His resurrection power. He will exchange the parts of you that have lost hope, that have lost vision, and He will cause you to see again. 
He will cause peace to come where there's been anger and frustration. And He'll cause freedom where there's been addiction. And He'll bring His love where there's fear and anxiety. And you know why? It's got nothing to do with me. It's because of Him. It's because of His kingdom. And that's what His kingdom looks like. When His kingdom is established, all of those things flow. There's been messages in this house and all over the world about the kingdom. And God is speaking about it. And I wanna say this, for those of you that have forgotten what your purpose is in God and you need reminding, then I know this is a word for you today. I don't know if you're here today, Kelly, but brother, I wanna tell you today that God will never turn His face from you. He has never turned His face from you. No matter what you've walked through, He will never, ever turn His face from you. He has been pursuing you and hunting you down. You are right where you're meant to be. I wanna encourage you today that Jesus Christ is on your life. It's no longer I that live. That means I've gotta cast off my own stuff, my own ideas, my own desires, because His ones are much better. Amen. Here's an assignment for you and I. But we need to understand God's plan and how, how it works and how we work with God. And recently we had Pastor Michael Nicholas here and he talked about, he made reference to something called a partial gospel. And at the time I thought, man, that rings true. That feels really familiar. And then just a couple of weeks ago, I was looking through my notes from a journal from the beginning of the year. It was something God spoke to me about. He said, many people are living for a selfish gospel. And here's what I mean. When you and I got saved, we got forgiven, we got set free, and we came into relationship with Jesus, and we, and we got the gift of eternal life, right? It's not that it's wrong, it's just it's only half the story. There's another part that's often missing from the narrative. See, you were forgiven and you were set free and you were saved. And not only that, you were also called on an assignment. It's no longer I that live. He's put mission inside of you. When you got saved, you got born into another kingdom, into another culture. It's called heaven's culture. And He's called you with all the giftings that are inside of you. He's designed you perfectly as you are with the giftings inside of you for a reason to extend His kingdom. But here's the question, because all of us, our lives overflow. And here's the question for all of us today. Does the life of Christ in you overflow into the areas in your life, in your family, your school, your work, your sports places, wherever they are, recreational places? Or do the atmospheres of those places influence you? There's always an overflow. And we need to become conscious. Am I overflowing or is something else overflowing into me and dictating into me? See, it's not just about you and me and our journey. And that's a trap, I believe. We become, we can become very self-focused when we live a selfish gospel. We're very focused on our journey. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. We have seasons where we need rest. We have seasons where we need healing. I have had those seasons. But if you're in a season like that right now, don't let go of the assignment, hold it in your heart because you still have an assignment, amen? That's why there's so many facets to the church. The church is a family. The church is a hospital. 
The church is also an army ready for battle. And the church is also a place of great mission. He built you and I for mission into the core of your being. And I think sometimes we get frustrated because we're not fully walking in the purposes of God. I wanna, I wanna encourage you today. Mena, I see you over there. God wants you to know He sees you. You're called, you're called to work with women. You're called to minister to women. You're called to bring hope. And God says, don't think that I've, over, that I've overlooked you. There's a hunger in your life and a thirst for God. Sharona, I know, I think you're here today. You are, up the back. I wanna say, I know that you think, and God wants to encourage you today, that you came back to Hawke's Bay for one reason. And God says, that's so. But I've brought you back here for a whole nother reason, that you would come into a life flow with Him. And not only that, He's put justice on the inside of you. That's what He's done. And He's gonna call you to be one that would stand up. And He's, uh, I felt God say to me, she will be a Moses and she will stand before places of authority and you will stand and you will affect change. And God said, you, He will put you before kings and He will put you before people like Pharaoh and you will speak up for the people and you will bring justice, amen. Holy Spirit, I just, uh, I'm on a flow now. Where's Esther for me? Where are you? Where are you? I wanna encourage you. The Lord sees you. And there have been many times where the enemy has whispered or shouted in your ear. And God says it's time to stop listening to that voice and start listening to what He says about you because He has a plan and a purpose. There is a gift of exhorting around your life and there's a gift of breakthrough. When I watched you up here worshiping today, you bring breakthrough to this worship team. I bless your life today. I bless you today. I bless you today. God is moving. This is, we are in an incredible season. Say this after me, there's two kingdoms. There's two kingdoms. Kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. And you've got to know this, there'll always be a battle. The enemy will always continue to feed us lies. You see, the devil can concede defeat on your salvation. He can say, okay, I can concede defeat on that, that you gave your heart to Jesus. But then his goal is to stop you in any way he can from walking in the call of God. You have an assignment from God. It's yours. It's designed for you. It's not mine. I can't walk in yours because it's not mine. That's why we're not a cookie cutter church because we're not meant to be the same. You have yours and I have mine. We all have a mission. We have an assignment and it is your responsibility. And you may be here today and say, well, how on earth do I know what that assignment is? I'm gonna show you this morning. There are two kingdoms and I want you to understand this. Listen to me carefully. What you come into agreement with, you will activate in your life. It's not luck, it's not fate, it's not coincidence. Listen to this. The spirit world is activated by your agreement, by your participation. So I wanna ask you this today, what lies are you participating in? Because I said to you before, the enemy's always going to speak in your mind. He's always gonna try and sow stuff there, but what are you listening to? What are you participating in? For example, I can say, I love the Word of God, and I do. I love the Word of God, I love the Word of God. But actually, I agree with a lie of rejection that I don't belong. So what happens is even though I say I love the Word of God, I start to behave in a way of rejection and I start to activate another kingdom around my life. Does that make sense? 
What about this? When we start to make confessions like this, relationships never work out for me. You know what, you may have had one or two or three relationships that didn't work out, but it didn't mean they all didn't. And there may be reasons for that. But when we start declaring things like this over our life, the lies of the enemy, we activate another kingdom, even though we love God. Does that make sense? What you, what you feed will grow. If you feed that lie, it is gonna grow in your life. We need to feed truth. We need to feed on the Word of God. What about things like this, self-talk? You're stupid. You don't belong. I wanna say this, the next time you hear that, maybe you're already hearing it right now this morning. What am I doing here? I don't belong here. That's a lie of the enemy. God hasn't got a plan for me. That's a lie of the enemy. We're to learn to hear it and interrupt it. And here's the question to ask, who told you? Who told you? God said to Adam in the garden, Adam said, I hid because I was naked. And God said, who told you? I wanna ask you today, whatever you're battling with in your mind and your soul, who told you you didn't belong? Who told you you weren't called of God? Who told you because you stumbled and you fell over that it's all over? Who told you? It's a question we've gotta ask ourselves today is who told me? Was it my Father in heaven? Or was it some other thing over here? We've got to get really clear on this because He's got an assignment for you and I. Amen? What kingdom are you activating in your life today? When you looked in the mirror this morning, and this is for someone here, I know it is, maybe more than one, what did you see? What did you say to yourself? There's someone here and you're in agreement with self-hatred. And it is a plan of the enemy. It is not from God, it's from another kingdom and it's designed to stop you being on your mission. We are in an incredible season. And a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Dave, he spoke, he brought out a scripture in Daniel 7, 25 from the Amplified Version. And uh, it may come up in a minute, but it has challenged me for the last couple of weeks and I've been thinking on it. And then when he asked me to preach, I thought, I'm gonna bring this back out because I think this is crucial to our season we're in. He says this, he will speak words. It's talking about the enemy, the devil. He will speak words against the Most High. That's God. And wear down the saints of the Most High. And He will intend to change the times and the laws. The enemy's goal is this, is to try and change your season so that you do not walk in the call of God. You don't walk in your mission. That's His goal. You know what, it, notice what it says? It says He will intend. It does, unless you give in to Him, He won't be able to do it. He will intend to do it. It says that it will try and wear down the saints. The, the phrase wear down means this, it means erode. It means chip away at. It means persistently and repeatedly discourage. It can be subtle but continuous. He wants to change your season. No, we gotta know our enemy, we gotta know how he operates. You know, back in the 16th century, there was a torture procedure. It's pretty awful. It sounds pretty harmless but the result was catastrophic. It's called water torture. And what they would do, they would tie up the victim and then they would get cold water and they would drip it continuously on the person's face or their scalp or their forehead for prolonged periods of time. Now it doesn't sound like a lot, but that continuous drip 
for hours, maybe days. It said that it would cause the victim who was restrained to go insane, to go mad. And I think that's what the enemy does when he erodes us. He, we have a, we hit a bump in the road and we try to get up and the enemy says, see, told you, told you couldn't do it, told you couldn't do it, told you couldn't do it, or you're not called of God, or you're not worthy, or what are you doing here? Who do you think you are? Continuous drip. And after a while, it erodes the saints. And we start to draw back. And it's exactly what the enemy's plan is. If that's you today, I wanna remind you of the assignment of the call of God on your life, amen? The enemy's goal is this, is to feed you lies continually so he can shift you out of position. He wants to distract you, discourage you, to the point where you start to know you some quitting. He will question your purpose, little by little, like a continuous dripping tap, until we believe the lie and we start to activate another kingdom, the kingdom of darkness in our life. Have you ever been distracted? Have you ever been displaced? Have you ever been discouraged? See, if he can get you offended enough, if he can get you hurt enough, bound enough, distracted enough, then the enemy has you right where he wants you. And you're rendered useless for the kingdom and for your assignment. I believe this, that the new virus, our new enemy, is not so much corona. It's a spirit of offense. It's incredible, even worldwide, to see how quickly, when somebody asks a question, offense rises. People hear half a story. We make assumptions and we jump to conclusions. We make judgments. We become offended. And the enemy laughs because he's wearing us down and he shifts us from where God has called us to be. But it's no longer I, remember, that live. It's Christ that lives in me. I want to ask you a question this morning. All of us, we spill out something, we overflow, we leak something. And it gives us a clue to what kingdom we're walking in agreement and alignment with. What do I mean? How about this? What comes out of your mouth subconsciously? Example is this, inappropriate and unclean jokes. And we justify it. Oh, it's just a bit of fun. It's not just a bit of fun. We're activating another kingdom. Amen? Sarcasm. You know what sarcasm is? It's cloaked bitterness. It's cloaked hatred. It's cloaked nastiness. And it activates another kingdom. What about things we say? Like I said before, things don't go right for me. Activating another kingdom. Or we never have enough. Activating another kingdom. What is spilling out of you subconsciously? That will give you a clue to what kingdom you're aligned with. If you agree with it, if you participate in it, you are activating something that God never, ever, ever planned for you. We need to learn how to head it off. Amen? So I've been thinking about the Scripture that Pastor Dave brought out about the enemy wanting to erode us, and I thought, God, these are times where we need to be able to stand strong. Not strong for strong's sake, but strong because we know who we are in Christ. And so I've been looking at, God, who? Who in the Bible was able to stand and never, ever be eroded? And there were a few of them, a few people, but one is a standout. And I wanna, it was probably one of the greatest conversions in the New Testament. And I know you'll know the story, so I'm gonna go through it really quick. But his name originally was Saul. And when he got, 
when he got converted, he was so different, he was so shifted that his name had to get changed too, to Paul. And this is what they say about him, that, that Saul was a rabbi. He was trained in the, in the doctrines of the church. And he was right up there, but he hated, he hated Jesus and he hated the new move. And he was, he was hell-bent on persecuting and murdering every Christian. And history books tell us this, that when they persecuted Christians, this is what they did. They crucified them. They burnt them alive. They tortured them by putting them in bags of poisonous snakes and tying it up and throwing them in rivers. They would feed them to lions. And Paul, after his conversion, said this, I was the one who destroyed people's lives. It was me. I have this blood on my hands. I persecuted the church. I did everything I could to wipe them out. He was a violent man that hated, hated Christians more than anything else. Luke in the Bible describes him as this, as Saul as a rampaging wild beast. This is who this man is. He's unstoppable. And for him to come to Jesus is going to take more than a miracle. But in Acts 9, Saul has an encounter with Jesus Christ. He doesn't ask for it, but Jesus steps in and basically says enough is enough. And in Acts 9, it says this, and as he traveled, he approached Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, displaying the glory and majesty of Christ. And he fell to the ground that was Saul. And he heard a voice from heaven say, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting and oppressing me? And Saul said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, who you are persecuting. Now get up and go to the city and you'll be told what you must do. Now this is a pretty huge encounter. The men who were traveling with him, the Bible says that they were speechless and they were terrified. They heard the voice, but they saw no one must have been a frightening experience. So here's Saul, he's on an angry rampage, feeling justified to murder every Christian and put them in prison. And suddenly God intervenes like I've had enough, like your course shifts now. See one touch from God and everything can change in your life. Saul doesn't just get saved, but he has a radical transformation, a shift in his heart and his life that compels him onto his assignment and onto his mission. You know what? There's many of us here, if you've been a Christian a long time, many of us, we need a fresh encounter. We need a fresh encounter with Jesus Christ about what He's called us to do. We need a transformation from one point to another. We become indifferent. We need a transformation from where we are now, from this to that, from something else. We need an exchange where we're no longer the same. Nothing wore Paul down. From this point on, nothing wore him down. He had such an encounter with Jesus that he was propelled into mission, not just going to heaven, but propelled into his mission to let everybody know who Jesus was. Here's some of the things that Paul faced. This is in 2 Corinthians, and it says this. He was put in prison over and over. And they reckon between two and a half to five years, he spent in prison on different occasions. He was flogged uncounted number of times. He faced death over and over. He received 39 lashes from the Jews five times. He was beaten with rods three times. 
were stoned one time. I want to tell you what stoning looks like. They, they dig a hole, a very tight fit where you, you can only just fit a human down there with your arms by their sides and then they start to throw the rocks so you can't defend yourself. That's what a stoning is. We have all these illusions of what we think things are. He was shipwrecked three times. Don't you think by the second time, I hope it's not the same crew. He, he would not be someone I want on my boat. He spent a day and a night in the ocean and the sea. He was continually in danger from robbers, danger from his own countrymen as well as the Gentiles. He was in danger in the city, danger in the country, at sea, false brothers. He was in pain without sleep. He was hungry and he was thirsty and he was cold and at times he was naked. But nothing wore him down. The enemy could not shift his season or erode his times, amen? In fact, all of the disciples of Jesus, all of them got martyred. Paul was beheaded, they think. Around about the same time Peter was, and Peter was crucified upside down. These men knew what it was to stand. So from his conversion, the enemy couldn't wear him down. And so I've been asking God, why? Why did, what did Paul have? Because you and I, we need fortitude inside us in the spirit, amen? What do I need to live like that? What do I need that I won't quit when things get tough? Here's some of the things that Paul wrote when he was facing being flogged and being put in prison and beaten up and stoned. He says this, I've finished my race. I've kept the faith. I'm firmly guarding the gospel. In the future, there is reserved for me a victor's crown of righteousness. And not only for me, but for all those who have loved and longed for and welcomed his appearing. I honor today two of our family that have recently gone into eternity, Roger Galbraith. I honor him. The last conversation Dave and I had with him, all he could do was talk about Jesus. All he could do, he was in faith. I honor him today. Bernice Durkin, last conversations were all about Jesus. They ran their race well. What about you today? I brought it out already, Galatians 2.20, I'm crucified with Christ. That's Paul. It's no longer me. It's not about me anymore. It doesn't matter. But it's Christ who lives in me. He also said this, I press on to the goal to win the heavenly prize of the upward call of Christ. He also said, I'll run my race and I'll press forward. He's preaching these things while he's in prison, while he's been whipped, while he's been beaten. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4, he says, we are hard pressed on every side. I wonder what he was facing when that happened. But not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. How did he stay unwavering and not worn down and still moving forward? There's people here today, you need, we need to know this. We need to know the grassroots of how to live our Christian life so that when the waves of adversity come, we can stand strong and, say, and anchor to Him and say, I know who my God is. Even Peter wavered. He said, Jesus, I'll follow you, I'll defend you. And then when he got hard pressed, he denies Jesus three times. In Acts 28, it says that Paul was bitten by a poisonous snake. You know what he did? He flicked it off. It says he shook it off and it went into the fire. And people marveled. Some of us today, we need to shake off the effects of the enemy. 
shake off the poison of the, of the enemy. What does it take for you to quit, to sit down? You might say to me, but you don't know what I'm going through right now. You don't know the pain in my life. And I want to say to you respectfully, I don't know. I know some people's stories. I don't know your story, but I know mine. And I know what he's done in my life. And I know the pain and the things I've had to walk through. I know that he's faithful. Have the courage today if you are dealing with pain, if you are dealing with areas of brokenness in your life, we have incredible people in this church that can walk with you through that. Have the courage to face your pain. We all spill something out. We all leak. Paul spilled out the presence of God everywhere he went. And that firstly is our mission. We need to overflow and spill his presence so that when I'm hard pressed, his presence come out of me, not other things. I wanna, you may be wondering why the bucket's up here. I'm gonna show you. The bucket represents all the different areas in our lives, all the different places we are, the sectors of society. Pastor Dave talked about it last week. He talked about the seven mountains. So whether it's, I'm not gonna go into them now, but whatever your environment is, home, family, work, school, recreation, sport, whatever it is. Every environment has a culture and an atmosphere. And you and I are like a sponge. And if we are not careful, we take on the atmosphere that is within those places. And then when we become hard pressed, like Paul talked about, we start to leak. When I submerge myself in an atmosphere for too long, an atmosphere that is unholy, an atmosphere, does it mean we don't go to those places? No, it doesn't mean that. There are some places you shouldn't go. And you know what they are. Don't go to those places. But I'm talking about the daily life places. If I don't guard my life, if my life isn't centered on Christ, then I can come out looking like, yeah, I'm good. But actually what leaks out of me, it leaks out of my conversations. It leaks out of my attitudes. It leaks out of everything. So when I apply a little bit of pressure, Offenses come out. I can come into church and go, yeah, I'm good. I'm really good and I can worship. But the moment the pressure comes on, what comes out of my private life is uncleanness, is offense, is hurt, injustice. The other things you and I got to deal with, the other things that erode us. But what say, what say you and I were so filled with His presence that when we go into those places, instead of them filling us, we go in, we don't try to convert everyone. We go in with a different atmosphere. I was talking to a young man this week and he said since the Freedom Retreat, even at his workplace, people have noticed something's different about his life. You know why? Because he's overflowing presence. He's overflowing. You know, the more you overflow presence, the more you can give it out. And that, my friends, is our assignment. I'm gonna have to finish in a minute, so I'm gonna skip through some things. But that is the is the whole central point, is the crux of who you and I are. The assignment that you and I have is to fill every atmosphere, every space in society with Him. It's not to try and argue and convince people of who He is. It's firstly to show up different. How do we do that? I'm gonna give you a couple of really simple, really quick keys. They're really easy and you'll go, oh, I know that. And here's my challenge for you. Listen to me carefully, especially if you've been a Christian a long time. 
is in a week's time evaluate whether you've been able to stick to it. And that's this, it's your relationship with Jesus. Prayer is not a thing I do. It is in a sense, but prayer mostly is a relationship I have with a king who died on the cross for me when I didn't deserve it and I still don't. That is what prayer is. Prayer is not a chore. It's not something I have to get up and do. It's something I choose to do. I get to get up early every day. I get to get up early every day and worship my King. That is relationship with Jesus. That is what prayer really is. When you every day make Him your first priority, when you overflow and you fill yourself with Him, no longer I that live, but Christ full of me. You might say, but I I run out of things to say. Prayer is not your shopping list. God, I need this. God, could you help me with my family? God, could you do this in my workplace? God, could you break through in this area? Prayer, for me, always starts with worship. It's always about adoration of the King and what He's done for me. You and I get to have incredible relationship with Him, but will you? Because we end up living a selfish gospel where it's just about me and my journey and and what I want to do. If you're taking notes today, I'd love you to write this down. The key to not being worn down is this, is intimacy with God. It builds endurance for your mission. That is how Paul was not eroded. In Colossians 1.10, it says this, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work. Show me the fruit of your works, not me but show the fruit of your works is by being with Him. Growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience. Amen? Don't give up today. Don't give up. If you have forgotten or you've moved away from your purpose, the enemy's goal is to shift you, get your focus, distract you on other things. God is bringing you back into your mission. You know, there was a time when uh, Dave and I, we buried one of our babies over at the cemetery uh, just in the Hastings a few years ago. And we were grieving. We were sad. We, you know, we loved God, but we were sad. And I went home and I opened my Bible and I said, oh God, I, I need you to encourage me. Here's the scripture he gave me. James 1, 2 to 4. Consider it pure joy. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, and I was like, God, are you for real? Is this some kind of joke? We've just buried our baby. And you're telling me to consider it all joy? All joy that I'm going through this right now. You may be here today and feel stuck or be going through something hard, but let me tell you, when you build His presence into your life as a lifestyle. We can wrestle out things like that because God can take that. God can take it when we have hard conversations with Him. But here's the thing, I always had a foundation that I know, even though I don't understand, I know that He's good. I know that He's good. Did the pain go away straight away? No, it didn't. Did I grieve a bit longer? Yes, I did. Did I grieve two more times for two more babies? Yes, I did. But my God is faithful. It's sometimes not my job to know why things happen the way they do, but my response is so important. Amen? Consider it all joy. 
You know what? One day, we've got three daughters, if you didn't know, and they're beautiful. But one day, when we're going through this season in our lives, I felt the enemy say to me, mock me, and say, see, you're only successful 50% of the time. You only manage to hold 50% of your children. And I remember I turned around and I said, devil, that's not true. I've got three of my children already in eternity. You couldn't even get your hands on them. Everything can be turned around. Everything can be turned around. It's no longer I that live. You and I, when we're anchored on Him, when our eyes are fixed on Him, we walk through pain, we walk through trials, but we're not moved. We're not moved because He is greater. Amen. You can only overflow and leak His presence when you're hard-pressed. If you spend time with Him, spend time, if you don't know what to say, just worship. He's not a shopping list. He deserves our praise, amen. Don't let the enemy shift you today. The second thing I want to bring to you is this real quickly. How do I know my assignment? Firstly, I want to speak to people that you know your assignment and you have moved. Come back today. Come back your assignment. I want to speak to you today if you're in a place where you're needing healing. Don't lose the assignment out of your heart. There'll be a time to walk in it again. Amen? Don't walk away from that thing. It's yours. It was given to you by God. It was never anybody else's. So if you're here and you say, well, I don't even know what my assignment is. Here's what you do. You start with what's right in front of you. And because you're already so filled with Jesus, you go into those places You go into your school, you go into your classroom, you go into your family. There's people here, you live with unsafe family. And you don't try to convince them, but you just flow, become conscious that the presence of God flows out of me. I was trained as a teacher. And uh, before I was working here at our preschool here, I was working at another place. And they would get me to do the music with the kids. And uh, it was a, a Christian place by name. The only thing they really did that was Christian was, um, was grace for food. So they let me do the music. And I started singing one day um, with the guitar, that song, Oh, the Blood of Jesus. I want to tell you, there's a little girl there. Her parents didn't go to church. She was three. Parents didn't go to church, had no idea of church. And in the middle of singing, Oh, the Blood of Jesus, she starts to lift her hands. That's bringing the kingdom. Amen. That's not about me. It's being conscious that He is in me and He flows through me. That's your assignment today, wherever you are. Don't make an excuse today. Wherever you are, even if you're walking through areas of pain, you can still shift your atmosphere. Amen. I want to honor my really good friend. Her name is Katie. And uh, you might know they've got a cafe. They've got Frimley Kitchen and they've got Minor. Go and support those places. They're amazing. But she's in my connect group that I co-lead with Joe. And uh, one night she was talking about what she does. She is such a kingdom woman. And I honor her today. And here's, she's a baker, she's a chef. And she says, I become conscious of the presence of God when I'm kneading the dough. And I pray that the presence of God would touch people and He would shift their lives. You know what, when she was sharing it, the presence of God came into the room. Wherever you are, don't look and say, oh, I need to be up here on a platform. That's not true. Wherever you are, whether it's on a sports field, in the classroom, in your family, wherever it is, in your, in your workplace. Be conscious. That is your first place of assignment. The boy with the loaves and the fish, 5,000 men. That didn't even include the woman and the children. And he says, you can have my lunch. And Jesus broke it and it multiplied. That's kingdom living. When we give our gift to Jesus, 
and we become conscious that everywhere I am, I'm going to flow something. I'm going to leak the presence of God or I'm going to be influenced by another spirit and I'm going to leak offense. I'm going to leak hatred. Let's be people that leak the presence of God. Peter, when he walked, his shadow healed people. You know why? Because he leaked Jesus. He was so overflowing with Jesus. Two keys today. Get your worship and your devotion and your time with Him. If prayer sounds like a chore, don't call it that. Call it, this is my time for relationship with the King. You get that on track and you start to become conscious of the outflow and you become a kingdom person who is on mission, amen? It's no longer you and I that live, but it's Christ who lives in us. It's time to build an altar again. An altar is a place of exchange, a place of sacrifice where we lay down us, where we lay down those areas in our lives where we go, you know what, I've been influenced too much by the things around me. And it's time for me to start to become the influence. There's a scripture in Proverbs 24 and it says this, for though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. You're called to rise, friend. You're called to rise. You're called to get your eyes back on Him. It's no longer I. The greatest, one of the greatest keys to your victory is surrender. When you surrender, when you build that altar to Him and say, you know what? I'm gonna make my life count. This isn't just about me and Him. It is not. I don't wanna live a selfish gospel. And if you're not, I think that's incredible. But why don't we make a decision as a, as a Send Global Church? We will not live a selfish gospel. We will take care of our, we will tend to the issues in our lives, but we will hold on to mission. We will hold on to being kingdom people that we flow and we overflow. And we leak the power of the living God to touch everybody around us. Jesus, you were not called to be a spectator. I know we've got lots of sports people here, rugby. How annoying is it, and I must say this from a person who doesn't play any sport, but how annoying it must be when spectators on the sideline try to tell you how to play your game, right? How annoying is that? They are passionate, they have everything to say, but they haven't trained and they haven't done the mahi. Don't be a spectator, church. We've got too many Christians who are spectating. If you're here today and you've got a, an opinion to say about a whole lot of things and you're not involved in the mahi, you need to close it. You need to close it and you need to get involved in mission and start loving people. How do I do that? I love Him and I love people. Amen. We love them. Jesus, if you're here today and you just say, you know what? I need to build an altar. No one's looking at you today because everyone's focused on what God is speaking to them. But if that's you today and you say, you know what? I need to build an altar today again. I've become selfish in my orientation with God. It's just been about me. Or maybe you, your prayer life is really just a little bit of this and a little bit of that and a little bit of just having worship music on in your car. He loves you. He died on a cross for you. He's worthy of your real worship. If that's you today, no one's looking, every eye closed. I'm not gonna, even gonna ask you to come up this morning. Why don't you just lift your hand where you are. If you say, you know what, I need, I need Him. Because if I'm gonna flow in mission, I first, you can't flow in mission unless you're filled with Him. If that's you today, just lift your hand and say, God, I'm building an altar 
in my heart because I want to be effective for you. And I want to live a partial gospel. And I want to live a selfish gospel. I want to run my race. I want to be everything you've called me to be. And I want to affect the spaces in the community around me for you. If that's you, if you want to make a decision today and say, that's me, I'm choosing to run my race. Hands going up across this place. If today prayer has become a chore, and even though you love Jesus, you don't spend any time with Him, you're like that absent friend who's never around, except when there's times of trouble. If that's you today and you say, you know what, I need to come back. It's not a 12-step prayer. It's a come back right now. Just say, God, I'm back. I'm so sorry. In your heart today, as the worship team sing this morning, why don't you just, we're going to have a time. Why don't you stand to your feet? In the overflow room, why don't you stand to your feet? If that's you today and you say, you know what, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. Today I renew my commitment to Jesus Christ and I want to be effective for Him.